0: hello and welcome to the let's talk podcasts this is your host Susie Lewis speaking from Toulouse and this episode of let's talk we will be discussing inclusive design designing for and with customers today I'm joined by Christine Hemphill, founder and managing director at open inclusion an organization centered on creating a more open world where design and, indeed, data research uh, is more inclusive. Christine, welcome. Welcome to our show. Thank you, Susie. Lovely to be here. Christine, you've been pioneering this topic for a number of years now through your different careers and the different organisations, and particularly in the design space. For me, design is coming to the fore as organisations take on the concepts of the experience, so employee experience, customer experience, user experience and centering their focus more around the human element. Inclusive design is also particularly coming to the fore as we move into the world of new technology and the changing models of interaction with all our different stakeholders and communities. That's where we met in that space, in Tech for Good. What is inclusive design for you, and and how do you make it tangible for people?
1: Great question. I think inclusive design, inclusive can mean so many things to different people. So I (laughs) tend to flip it on its head, and I tend to say, Who are you excluding? So whether you're thinking about employees or you're thinking about customers, once you ask the question, who are you excluding, it becomes more tangible. Mm -hmm. And the particular spaces that we work in at Open tend to be people with lived experience of disability and older people who may or may not identify as disabled, so kind of ability-led differences and functional differences. But actually, to me, inclusive design is understanding where exclusion can happen and then designing so that those barriers or those points of friction are removed and reduced.
0: Okay, so essentially understanding where your biases lie?
1: Yes, or or where the organisation's capability Mm -hmm. limits are and how those limits are impacting your stakeholders.
0: Okay, excellent. Thank you. And let me pick up on the customer centricity because clearly it's always a focus for any business. How does that play out in the customer field? So how do customers vary and how does that impact product and service design then
1: well the fabulous thing about people is we all vary so there yeah. are no two customers yeah. that are the yeah. same as each other yeah. so if you start with the the fundamental truth that every customer is an individual and brings an individual set of abilities and contexts and needs and preferences then designing for difference is just what design is mm-hmm. Now the more extreme those differences, the more design needs to be able to absorb those and support mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. and you know, so some of those differences that we look at and these differences can either be permanent or they mm-hmm. can be situational but some of those Some of those differences can be your vision and hearing, the sensory differences. They can be learning, memory, communication, some of the cognitive differences and and physical differences like mobility and dexterity. Those differences can be permanent, so someone might be a wheelchair user or someone might be hard of hearing all of the time or they might be some of the time, say, when Mm. they're not using a hearing aid or after they've been injured. So understanding how people differ. How they then adapt to those differences is particularly important. So where some of those adaptation techniques come in, so they might use an assistive technology or an adaption approach like choosing to use a guide dog or a white mm-hmm. cane or choosing to use technology as an option for, for current vision. Mm-hmm. So that then gives you the person that's come into the organisation and the way in which you can interact with them more fully and mm-hmm. more effectively servicing them.
0: I really like the idea of designing for difference, which could sound exclusive, but is essentially turning that paradigm on its head, as you said in the beginning, uh, and adapting to the different technologies and, and differences that you have in front of you, which, of course, will never look the same in the different situations. How does an organization know how they're doing in regards to including these different needs of their customers?
1: The only way you can really know is to ask. And like all good things to do with consumer, really listening to the voice of of customers. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting about difference is the more different the voice of customer you're listening to, the greater the insight you're getting. Mm -hmm. And so inclusive research, which is what what we really specialize in here at Open, is specifically asking consumers or users you know in a a, say government sense of a service or product what their experience is Mm. when they have quite specific needs so looking to the edges of the the normal curve Mm. and looking to how people are experiencing it there so that then gives you a very broad range of customer experience. It also quite often highlights the points of customer experience failure that you might not otherwise know why you've got such divergence across your customer experience. Obviously, one of the, the key priorities for you know, any organisation looking at their customer experience is mm-hmm. to first minimise the, the difference and particularly, you are lifting up the very poor experiences. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those very poor experiences can come as a result of difference, differences either of the individual or of the context or requirements that they're bringing to, you know, their needs mm-hmm. uh, sets when they're, when they're interacting with an organisation. Mm-hmm. So by looking to understand those much more significant differences, you quite often expose some of the real foul points in the organisation that you might not otherwise fully understand. Okay. You also highlight some fabulous opportunities for improvement uh-huh. and for innovation mm-hmm. that everyone might appreciate some of the time, although some customers will appreciate all of the time.
0: Okay, so we're getting pain points from that. We're getting sort of innovation opportunities. What do you do with your research? How important is that data in what you design and the process of design? It's absolutely critical because it gives it gives you a starting
1: point to know what to address. So mm. by having a good understanding of what the customer base is, what the likely you know, range of needs are across that customer base, and there's quite good statistics and understanding that you can look at for large organisations for that. Then going and doing some assessment of customers in that space, whether it's surveys or mystery shopping or you know, hearing yes. the voice of customer yes. in various ways mm. doing that listening that can then really help prioritize with all the other voice of customer data what are the areas to address that are going to have the biggest positive impact on the bit, you know on the organization what are the areas that are having essentially the biggest exclusion factor on the organization today and causing the most you know pain in the system both for the organization that might just not be flagged up as being as a result of difference, but in mm-hmm. fact are, but also for your customers.
0: Okay, and how can it influence financial and innovation and social value of an organisation in terms of customer and branding?
1: Hugely. So, one in five people in in Europe will have a disability that's a permanent disability. About one in three will have a specific access need at any point in time. So, it might be going through a long term health condition like a. a Going through chemo, might have a broken arm, etc. So, um, and that doesn't take into account people with situational needs, so standing on a bouncy train or bus trying to interact with a Mm -hmm. digital environment. Mm -hmm. So, it's a very, very large market. It's increasingly getting addressed by organizations, particularly the lead organizations that do understand the power of inclusive design, and there are Mm -hmm. a number of organizations really beginning to, to do so. But it is a highly unaddressed market, which makes it a very large opportunity now for those organisations that step into this and start differentiating on the basis of good design that works for all, because actually once you do provide a more inclusive design and a more consistently good experience to customers, it is one of those great things that, that triggers higher loyalty, higher advocacy, and higher retention of mm. customers, which we all know is, is obviously a far more valuable way to, to manage your customers mm. than, than trying to constantly recruit and, and bring new ones in.
0: Clearly, yeah, <laughs> about listening intently to what they want and where they're at and what they're doing exactly uh, but, but how would an organization go about thinking about inclusive design if they are not using that in their processes today and they don't work that way what would be the first step the first step is probably doing a small starting
1: you know pilot of listening to customers it, and it can be you know anything from a specific piece of research in just one environment so you might just say our primary Customer journey is a digital journey where a customer is onboarding in our key product. Mm -hmm. And so you just look at that one journey just through that one channel and you engage with customers with specific differences and lived experience of disability and say, how do you find this experience? Inclusive research does take a little bit of, of specific practice and and skills so I would suggest that you reach out to an organization that has experience in that Mm -hmm. but it doesn't need to be enormous just starting the journey being more specific about the where and being a little bit deeper about the what gives you a good feel of just in that space just for that core journey just for that channel where are the barriers that you're putting in the way of people today Mm -hmm. and when you start to uncover that piece by piece you start to grow out from that you know the, the highest priority mm. channels and the highest priority journeys and it's a never-ending journey it's just like anything to do with customer customers are always changing the mm. ways in which we can engage with them are always changing so it, it's not a once and done it's something that is just this ongoing unraveling mm.
0: of opportunity so, so it's not a, a project it's a mindset <laughs> Hearing it
1: advice. is and, and it, mm-hmm. there's two different ways you know once you've started to listen to customers mm-hmm. and and that Really should be an ongoing,
0: Mm. but
1: you know, getting that voice in. Once you're listening to customers, there's different ways that you can respond to that too. One of them is obviously fixing the environment you found breaks in. So, that example I used before you you say you've got a digital journey and Mm -hmm. you've found some breaks that mean that people with various access needs are finding it really difficult to complete the journey. Mm -hmm. You can obviously go back and fix that product and fix that environment and that particular journey. You can also start to build more strategically embedded capability in your organisation so you don't recreate that in other journeys or in other mm-hmm. products or in future iterations of the product. And that's where you're building processes and skills and capability in your team so that the future customer environments always one step ahead of the current ones.
0: Okay. So, And, and so they basically pilot it and then... Start looking systemically at what they can change to enable the environment to do that. Is
1: Absolutely, that right? yeah. and you know, and when you're piloting it, when you're actually fixing a product and starting to test it, you know, starting to build it out, you can test it with mm. people with with specific access needs. You know, people who are blind can do paper prototypes. They just have someone voice over it as if it was the assistive technology reading it out. So, yeah. at any stage in the design process, a little bit, you know, bringing in a, a, some inclusive specifically Mm. inclusive voices will just enable that process to be much more powerful Mm. so you're from co-creation up front getting some input into prototypes and and various you know design sprints as you're going through and then obviously you're getting some some good inclusive usability Mm. testing before you roll things out
0: live and essentially thinking out of the box to coin a phrase
1: yes um, well just thinking through other perspectives yeah. it's its just out of your box because it's yes. in someone else's box so everyone has their own perspective <laughs> yes yeah. everyone's got their own box so it's just recognizing that we all have and actually it's it's true of the disability community mm. as well just having one person from the disability community doesn't mean you've engaged you know with inclusive design effectively because it doesn't matter who we are we still live within the perspective that we Mm -hmm. have so it's just getting if you're going to i I think about it actually i've got a little acronym which is swim which is someone who isn't me (laughs) and essentially
0: that's great i like it
1: yeah so if you've got one person you can bring in to use a test something or Mm -hmm. to give you an idea on something Mm -hmm. get someone who isn't you as extreme not you as possible if you can get two or three people Get the difference between each of those three people as extreme as possible, so mm. that someone who isn't me or someone who isn't them, that that spread of perspectives and that spread of boxes, mm. is covering the widest possible area.
0: And like you say, creating new habits and new ways of working is a journey. How can organisations get better at that journey? I think the starting point is
1: realizing the value of it and mm. real and committing to it. So there's a couple of ways that you can do that. For, for larger organisations, actually, there's a, a very good campaign on at the moment called Valuable 500, which a good friend of mine is running, where CEOs commit to including disability at the senior level in the organisation and having broad conversation around mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And that commitment is absolutely critical because that then enables the business at all levels below to be able to, make the changes required. It essentially removes some of the organisational barriers that can otherwise get in the way. Mm -hmm. So recognising the value of this space and actually having that commitment, I always talk about, you know, people say, is this a CSR initiative or is this a customer Mm. initiative? And I say, this is a CFO initiative. This should be the CFO that is the number Mm -hmm. one proponent of and supporter of inclusive design because this is such a large open An undermet market, that this is something that an organisation should be committing to from
0: a business sense right Mm -hmm. at the top. Mm -hmm. So it's a strategic initiative that should be led right from the top of any organisation.
1: Yes. Now, underneath that, obviously, you need to build capability. Yeah. You need to build, you know, partnerships and engagement and processes and everything else that supports that. But it does start, I think, with commitment and leadership Mm. and then it's fulfilled by... Your organisational capability and just building it into the way we do things around here,
0: Hmm. Christine. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your thoughts. Would you have any last tips for organisations looking to develop an inclusive business as a positive strategic differentiator and to start that journey?
1: Probably three tips. One is listen to the voice of customers and particularly customers with specific differences, and Mm -hmm. just start to learn where the points of frictional barriers are in your organisation that may be causing a lot of the pain points that you're aware of today, but you're not aware of the underlying reason for that. Mm-hmm. So listening is is the first most critical piece. Then in terms of acting on that, you're balancing that action between fixing today's environment and really building that capability so that you're not recreating it in future environments. So building skills slowly over time, building capability, building processes and things like QA capability that just checks that things are going to go out more inclusive from the start and providing options it doesn't all need to be one size fits all Mm. Um, the third one is you know don't try and push universal design beyond its capability universal design where you're trying to fit you know a design that that works for many people is great but it has its limitations so recognize that people have very strong differences and between them Mm. and provide options and that's as long as there's good options where customers can get the journey down that they're there to do. Mm. There's no harm in that at all. Okay. And that just allows people's preferences to come to the fore not just their needs.
0: Yeah, so thinking about what the model looks like for your organization and what the different adaptability options may be. Yes, exactly. Okay, excellent. Thank you, thank you once again for sharing your thoughts with us. You can find Christine on the Open Inclusion website www.openinclusion.com and Also, the canvases and processes they use to work with organisations. Okay, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And if so, please head over to iTunes and give us your opinion and review. So it's bye from me for now and see you soon for the next episode of Let's Talk.